Happy New Year, Aces family. Great to have you guys join us on the Sunday morning, the first Sunday of the year. And uh, we just know that God's got great things in store for us for 2021. Um, we've been through an incredible, um, challenging year in 2020. But we just know that God is just there for us. You know, He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. And so even as I share the word with you this morning, I want you to take heart in what it is I want to share with you this morning. I want you to be encouraged this morning for the year 2021. But before we do that, let's just open in prayer. Father, I want to thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy towards us. I want to thank you that we have the ability this morning, even if it's on online or live streaming or whatever, still to be able to bring the gospel to the nations and to the end of the earth. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you would come and you would stir something great in us this year, that you stir something unique in us this year, that you'd make us bolder than we've ever been, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share a quick word just this week as I'll just hang a little bit of quiet time. I just remembered the story of Gideon. And I, I wanted to just, I went there and I started just to read the story of Gideon again. I think we've preached on it so many times. But there's just one or two things that I want to pick up for you this morning. I think, like I said, every preacher in the world right now is probably preaching a sermon and we're all starting with how 2020 went for us. And uh, all of us have spent some time reflecting over 2020. I know for some people it's been extremely difficult here, um, business-wise, family-wise, health-wise. I know for others they've had a good time, they've reunited with their families, their kids are in a really good place, they've been able to spend more time with God. And so all of us are probably sitting in a different, or we all have a different explanation to what 2020 was um, uh, for us or to us. Uh, for me personally, it felt like it was three years long. I mean, it was in the longest nine months of our lives. Um, we felt like churches stopped and went and stopped and went and stopped and went. And, and at some place, we felt like we didn't even do anything this year. Um, you know, we felt like almost like we've been unemployed this year. But in the, other, in the next breath, you know, we've done so much this year in, in feeding people and taking care of people. And, and, and we've done probably, as you know, more funerals than I've ever done before in, in, in my ministry career. Um, we've had more cancellations of weddings. Everyone has had to take their weddings from 2020 and rebook it into 2021. So this is going to be a crazy year when it comes to babies, when it comes to marriages, I think when it comes to new relationships. And, and so we're excited for 2021, but I think we also just got to look back on 2020 and see what lessons we've really learned in 2020. I don't believe that God allows us to go through any situation without there being a teachable moment without there being an aha moment. And even for me as a pastor, and I've been in the ministry for you know, almost 21 years, I've got to be honest with you, it, it was a real challenging year for me, a real challenging year to pastor the church completely different, how to pastor the church on a phone, how to pastor the church via live streaming, and then we'd be back, and then our numbers would be great, and then you know the next thing would happen, and we'd be shut down again. And, and I think... I, we, I was doing well up and be personal with you. I was doing well up until the second lockdown, which happened last week. And I just felt like, God, are we going anywhere? What is happening here? It's like we, we move four steps forward and five steps back, four steps forward and five steps back. And it just felt like, almost like, honestly, it just like, felt like, what are we doing? You know, why isn't God coming through? And I think it's not just me. I think all of us have asked ourselves the question, you know, why hasn't God come through yet? Why hasn't God taken out the virus? Um, you know, why are people dying around us? And, 
And this is the crazy thing about, you know, the virus. It, it doesn't know any denomination. It doesn't know, believe in any belief system. It's got no gender. It's got no race. It, it just takes randomly. Um, people that we least expect all of a sudden are, are passing away from COVID. Healthy people, strong people, athletes, you know, people that are sick as anything. They're surviving COVID. So nobody knows exactly what is happening or how it's happening. But I think what's important for us is how we cope with our lives in this moment. How we cope with this, the next year as a church, as a family, as a group of believers. Because I, I must be honest with you, when, when the COVID started in March and uh, we went into online um, you know, teachings and, and online sermons, there was, this, there was this massive following, as I can put it, of believers. You know, all of a sudden our online platforms were full. We had people viewing, we had, you know, people joining us, we had people commenting. It was fantastic. Almost like the world started to turn. I mean, even when we went to social media, you know, people were like, <clears throat> you know, the Lord's Prayer and they were posting scriptures. But I did notice the longer the lockdown went on and almost the longer the people or you were not able to come to church, it's almost like the less spiritual I saw people become, and I'm not picking on you, I'm, I'm speaking here to myself, I'm preaching to myself this morning as well, because all of a sudden we became lethargic, all of a sudden, you know, we just accepted the fact that we're in the middle of a crisis and it, it's a health thing and the hospitals are filling up and companies are closing and people are losing their jobs and people are losing family members, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> and we almost came to the place where we just accepted what was happening around us. Just, um, well, it is what it is, and that is what it is, and we're going to make the best of it. And, and that's not a bad thing at times to make the best of it. But I also think there are times in our lives where we need to make a decisive decision on how we're going to go forward. You know, I think it's important, I say this every year, and, and, and Jessica was reminding me the other day of it, is how you end the one year determines how you start the following year. And we've always got this thing in the family that like we want to clear out as much as we can, you know, on the before the 31st of December, because when we start, you know, in, in January, we want the house to be in order, we want the garden to be in order, we want the pool to be sorted, we want, you know, all those kinds of things in place for a fresh start. Now, I do believe that there's a very prophetic statement there, because I don't think we should be carrying a much of what we've endured in 2020 into 2021. I really believe that it's a whole new season and a whole new time that God is busy shifting around for us. Um, I, I don't know. I can't say, uh, thus saith the Lord. I cannot give you a prophetic word um, this morning for 2021. But I do know that a lot of people, a lot of ministers, a lot of pastors have been challenged. We've had, uh, you know, prophetic words going out in March and April. We've had prophetic words going out about the, the elections in the U.S. And uh, we've had prophets prophesying all kinds of things. And we've just seen one prophecy after the next, like not being fulfilled. Where in the past people would prophesy, thus saith the Lord, and we'd see these great things happen. But we've just seen so many prophet, prophetic words just fall to the ground like they had no substance. And these were anointed men and women of God that were saying, I believe God says this, I believe God says this, I believe God says this about the elections, or about COVID, or about South Africa, or about the government. And, and none of them have almost come to pass. And it's been a real challenge for me in saying, God, what are we doing? Where are we in this thing? Are, are we just speaking for the sake of it? Is it, is, it, is, it a, is it a hope prophetic word? Like, God, I'm going to prophesy this thing and I just really hope it comes to pass. Or have we really spent time with God and saying, Father, what is it that you want for me in this season? Um, and I want to pick up in the story of Gideon. And I want you to turn with me this morning to Judges chapter 6. 
And I just want to read to you quickly just um, 10 verses on where Israel found themselves and, and what was the outcome of this thing. And so I want you to, to grab your Bibles and I'm going to read from chapter 6 verse 1. And it says, And then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Midianites for seven years. For seven years, so what happened was that Israel has started moving further and further and further away from God, further and further away from how God expected them to worship us or Him. Um, they started to go into Baal worship. They started to build altars. They started to build advalt poles. And like, they went into all kinds of stuff, um, just seeking some kind of an answer, I think it was. But what they did was they started to move further and further away from God. And God eventually just what didn't punish them. It's almost like I felt like God just lifted His hand of Israel for a season, for seven years. And it's quite significant. But it carries on, it says, And the hand of the Midianites prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens and caves and strongholds which were in the mountains. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites came up, also the Amaleks and the people of the east, and they would come up against them, and they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no substance for Israel, neither sheep, nor oxen, nor donkey. I want to just jump back to verse 2 there, where it says that, that, that because of the punishment or that God lifted his hand upon them and they knew that God had handed over the Midianites, it's almost like the Israelites accepted their fate, accepted their situation. Um, because the word carries on and says what, they, what the children of Israel did was they dug for themselves dens and caves and strongholds in the mountains. Can you imagine? Just hiding, being the chosen nation of God. And all of a sudden, you are hiding in caves. In, you're digging burrows in the ground like rabbits living there. You, you're doing the crazy stuff because of fear. And as I read the scripture, I thought, wow, aren't we as a people very much in the same situation right now? We don't understand why um, the enemy is prevailing against us right now. We don't know why this COVID is still going on. We didn't. We knew the second wave was coming. We had no idea how devastating the second wave would be, um, or how it impact us economically, and and over our December period, and over Christmas and New Year, and just everything. It just blew our minds what had happened. But almost like we became lethargic during lockdown. We became lethargic because there wasn't the gathering of the saints. And this is so important that we gather together. This is so important that we encourage one another. You know, the word of God says that when we come together, come together with a song and a hymn and an interpretation and a tongue and a prophetic word. That's how we encourage each other. But we haven't had that kind of encouragement this year. And this year, we have found ourselves just alone with God. There's been like no church meetings and there's been no church gatherings in a sense like we normally did. We haven't had the normal worship and our prayer meetings on a Wednesday and, you know, um, propel women and, and all these kinds of things. Nothing took place this year. It's like everything we planned that just before it had to happen, we had to end it. We had to stop it. And we just didn't know which way to go. We found Israel, in them, Israel at the moment in exactly the same place where they just started to build dens and hiding caves. And, and I felt as I read this word that God was saying this is where we are this is where so many of us are is that we've almost just accepted the fact that we're in a crisis we've accepted the fact that the vaccine is the only answer to our pandemic right now the world keeps telling us government keeps telling us the scientists and the doctors keep telling us that the only hope for this vaccine right now uh, or for a cure is the vaccine now think about this because even in my own life, I found myself this week speaking about the vaccine as the answer. 
This week, we were speaking to the kids saying, you know, when we travel again, I wonder if we're going to need the vaccine. And, and, and you know, we just got to pray that this vaccine comes quickly now because if it doesn't come, you know, uh, this is going to happen and more people are going to die. And, and this is all reality. But I found myself in that moment thinking, have I negated the power of God in the situation? Have we somehow moved away from God, the God of Israel, the creator of the universe, the God of the impossible, and we somehow walked away and became so lethargic like the Israelites that we just dug ourselves dens. We, they didn't even try and defend themselves. They didn't even try and defend their, their, their flock and their crops. They just accepted the fact that they were in a crisis, and you know what? That's just the way it is. And they found themselves hiding away. And amazingly, in verse 6, I want to pick it up there, it says, And so Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. I, you know, it doesn't give you a time frame here. Because it says that God says you in the beginning, it says that, you know, for seven years they'd be under the rain. But we, it doesn't tell us when exactly the children of Israel cried out. But it says here in verse 6, it says that they were greatly impoverished. And they cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass that when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel and said to them, Thus says the Lord of God, I brought you from Egypt and I brought you out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of all hands of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I say, I say to you, I am your God, the Lord. Do not fear the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And I, I really started to ponder a little bit on that. What is it that God is saying? And how many of us are asking God for a word that is in season right now? How many of us are really pressing deep? You know, we've, I know the church has tried the prayer walks and we've tried the fasting. And, you know, we've really pushed it. We have done I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that the church has sat back and done nothing. But we have really tried and said, and we've prayed and we've done it. And said, God, please deliver us from the situation we're in right now. But there was incredible scripture, that, that scripture that says, that piece that says, and they cried out to God. And I often wonder in my own life, how much crying out to God have I done? How much have I said, God, what is it that you want? And, and it's not always that God needs to deliver us out of the season. It's not always that God needs to take away the COVID and God needs to stop the virus right now. But what is God saying to you in this crisis right now? What is God requiring of you in this season? You see, it's great that, oh, we want the vaccine to come. We want things to sort out. And we know life is never going to be normal again. But in the season, in 2021, I want to say to you listening to me this morning, have you cried out to God and have you said to God, what is it that you desire of me in this crisis, in the situation that we find ourselves right now? And you might say, you know, Kurt, but you know what, I'm just a I'm normal guy. I'm just, you know, I'm just an accountant, you know, I'm just a teacher. You know, I'm not this pastor, I'm not an apostle or a prophet or whatever it is. And we don't understand something that, that when you and God connect on a different level, when you and God become the best of friends, and, and, and hear me, I'm not being derogative, but when you and God become intimate with each other, and you know God knows your heart and you know God's heart, things change. And even in my own life, I've really had to question some stuff in how intimate have I been with God? And have I been very much like these Israelites that almost have just dug myself a cave and just saying, well, praise God, you know, one day the vaccine's going to come. Oh, this is African government. I cannot believe they missed the first payment. You know, all this kind of stuff. And now it's going to be another year before we get a vaccine. We've almost accepted the fact that something 
something is just gonna, something's just going to stay the same. And we've got no idea what this year is going to bring. We don't know when things are going to open. We don't know when schools are going to open. We know nothing. But I think somewhere along the line, you and I are focusing on the wrong thing. You see, it's not about what we have in the crisis we're in right now. It's about what God has for us in this crisis. And so often we rely on our own strength and our own ability and, and we just want God to do stuff and God's going to deliver us and God's going to take away the, the Amalekites and God's going to take away the Midianites and God's going to stop people. But we never ourselves step up to the plate. We never ourselves step up to the plate. And even as Israel cries out, nobody steps up. Nobody wants to step up and God's going to go find a guy by the name of Gideon. And in verse 11, I'm just going to pick it up quickly. It says, And now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terror of the tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash, the Abazite, sorry. While his son Gideon threshed wheat in a wine press in order to hide from the Midianites. So you've got to understand something. A wine press in those days was a hole under the ground. And so what they would do is they would throw the grapes on the top and they would stamp on the grapes and all the juice would run to the bottom and they would catch it in the cysteines and that's how they would do it. So Gideon was physically hiding away. He was physically hiding with this little bit of corn or a little bit of wheat or whatever that he had and he was just grinding it because he wanted to make a loaf of bread. So they were living in the land of not even enough. I mean, they were impoverished, the word of God says. But listen to this. He says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you mighty man of valor just just let us just take in that statement for a moment after everything i've just spoken to in the last 15 minutes about where we journeyed where they were how they've been raided how their crops have been stolen how their flock had been stolen how they were under attack from the midianites and amalekites and the people from the east and they were living impoverished there, there was nothing even the man that god chooses <laughs> is busy hiding underground with a little bit of grain living in the land of not enough and almost being content with it. And the crazy thing is that God doesn't say, Hey Gideon, what are you doing in the wine press? Hey Gideon, why are you hiding? The angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and he says to Gideon, He says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was Gideon, I would have turned around and thought, Who is he speaking to? Me? I'm actually hiding here. I'm actually, I'm, I'm fearful. I, I don't know what it's like out there. I don't know how we're going to get enough food. I don't know how we're going to survive. I'm grinding a little bit of wheat here just to make some bread. And this angel walks in and he calls me a mighty man of valor. And we could understand this. Is that God sees us differently to the way we see ourselves. You see, we see ourselves how we, re we relate to a situation. God sees us the way he sees us through his son Jesus Christ. He sees us victorious. He doesn't see us who we are right now. He sees us as who we can become. And it's so interesting that he calls him a mighty man of valor because, you know, so often our past defines us. So often our people will say, oh, yeah, you know, that's good. He used to be a druggie. Or, yes, you know, that's, that's Peter. He used to be an alcoholic. Or, you know, yeah, that guy, yeah, he was caught for... And so somehow our past always represents us and follows us wherever we go. We're almost known by our past. But yet God, because of Jesus, has no recollection of our past. The only recollection that he has is what we look like in Christ Jesus. In what we look like when he touches us. When he starts to call out the good in us. When he starts to call out the gold in us. And there's Gideon stuck in his wine press. And the guy walks up and says, hey, mighty man of valor. You man of courage. Thus saith the Lord. I mean, it must have been such an overwhelming thing. And Gideon says to him, oh my Lord. If the Lord is with us, why then have has all this happened to us? And where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, 
did the Lord not bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And listen to this. And then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the, in the in, sorry, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. I have I have I not sent you. God doesn't even answer him. God doesn't even answer him. I mean, the, the God calls Gideon, and the first thing he says, Yeah, but you know, basic luck. You know, before I do this kind of stuff for you, God, you know, I just luck. So why are we in a situation? Why haven't you come through? Why haven't you resolved the virus? Why have I lost my business? You know, Lord, why is my marriage in the place it is? Why have I ended up in divorce? We do. Whenever God calls us into something greater, we almost turn around and then we start nitpicking saying, but God, here's the reason why you can't use me. Or we say, well, this is why I'm not going to be used by you because you know what, God, you've been unfair to me. You've done this, you've done that, you've done... And yet... We've survived. And yet, we're alive. And yet, yes, maybe we're not prospering right now. Yes, we're worried about church life and the finances and all these kinds of things in our, in our personal lives, in our private lives, in our business, in our church. How are we going to get through this? And so Gideon first has this little pretty part like, oh, I want answers right now. And I find so many of us right now in that place where all we're doing is we're knocking on God's door for answers. Like, God, why is this happening? Why is this going through? Why my family? Why? We've got so many questions. You know, the angel doesn't even ask him. The angel doesn't even respond to it. And I think you and I become frustrated when God doesn't respond to us. But God doesn't need to respond to us. You've got to understand something, that God is not accountable to us. We're accountable to him. And, and the only reason why we start to question him is because we allow the enemy to come in and mess with our minds. We let, let the enemy come in and start to doubt God and start to doubt that God can do this. The enemy comes in and starts to make us believe that the vaccine is the answer. And all of a sudden, it's not Jesus Christ that's important anymore. It's not what the World Health Organization says. The enemy comes in and corrupts our thinking. And yet, you know, when we go to Isaiah 43, I love this, the scripture, but I just want to read it for you quickly. But, but Isaiah 43 says this. And I'm going to read out the message Bible. He says, in verse 1, he says, But now God's message, listen to this. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid, for I have redeemed you. He says, listen to that. He says, I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, and you are mine. You know, when he looked at Gideon, he didn't say, Oh, Gideon, you're the son of so-and-so. You No, he says, you're a mighty man of valor. God knows the calling in our life. God knows the purpose that you and I need to fulfill in our life. God knows what we need to do in the season. And I find myself saying more and more, God, what is it that you want from me in 2021? Because my plans aren't working. And my ideas aren't working. And my church planning isn't working. And I don't know what to do next. And I don't know what course to present. I don't know which way to go. But God says, you are mine and I have redeemed you. I, I love that statement. He carries on, he says this. Do not be afraid for I have redeemed you. I have called you my name, you are mine. When you are in over your head, I will be there with you, he says. When you are in the rough waters, you will not go down. And when you are caught in a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end for you, he says. Because I am God, your personal God. I love that scripture. I am God, your personal God. Now, I don't know where you find yourself this morning, but you know, Gideon had to get up out of that cistern. He had to get up under that press. He had to look around and say, okay, God, you know what? I, 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 doesn't, I don't need to know why we're going through this right now. All I know is that you have a, you have a vision and a purpose and a plan for me, and you've told me what I need to do, and I'm just going to do it. 
And I think 2021 is going to be very much that. That we just need to do what God needs us to do. I don't think it's going to be a year where we're going to have this plan out. I don't think it's going to be a year where we're going to pencil in all our courses and our marriage courses and our leadership courses. I don't think it's going to be that year. I don't think that we're going to go back to normal as we thought before. I don't know if the church is going to get back together properly, probably before May, and then we've got winter coming, and then we might get a third wave. I'm not going to be negative. I'm just being realistic here. Because somewhere along the line, every one of us thinks like we're going to wake up tomorrow morning and everything's going to be okay. You know, it's like so many people on the 31st of December last year just thought that when they wake up on the 1st, oh, thank you, Jesus, the world is going to be a different place. We're going to be back to normal. And we know we're near normal. And it's going to be a while before we are back to normal. But what do we do in the crisis we're in right now? What is it that God requires of you? Are you going to sit in your hole? Are you going to dig a cave? Are you accept the fact that you're going to be plundered? Or are you going to be like Gideon and say, you know what, God, whatever you want me to do, let's do this. And just in closing, just quickly, the first thing that God requires of Gideon is to destroy the altars and the false altars and the false gods. And I think for many of us, that's what we've got to get rid of in our lives. This belief that something else is bigger than God. This belief that a vaccine is bigger than God. We believe that money is bigger than God. That wealth is bigger than God. That our health is bigger than God. That doctors and, and world health organizations are bigger than God. We need to get that thing out of the way. And we need to put God back on the throne again and say, God, you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of glory. And it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you say it. It doesn't matter when you say it. I want to be like you and say, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's just do what needs to be done. And we know that God takes Gideon through a crazy thing. Where he starts him off with 300,000 men. And God says, oh, too many, too many. And God dwindles him down. And we know at the end of the day, it's Gideon, 300 men, a shofar, and a torch. That's all they went to war with. No swords, no shields, nothing. You see, when you start to trust in God, the way we need to trust in God, we don't need the swords and the spears and the guns and the warfare. If you and I start to trust in God, sometimes all we need is a ram's horn and a light. You know, the word of God says, you're, you're the light of the world. You're a city on the hill that cannot be dimmed. In. And we saw this, that he surrounded the camp of the Midianites with 300 men that had torches. To them, it looked like there were millions of people around their camp in that, in that evening. And they started to scatter and they started to destroy each other. And yet God says, we need to be the light of the world, a city and a hill that cannot be dimmed. And how are you and I doing in this crisis? You see, I think we've been through 2020. I think we've gone through our ups and downs. I think we've gone through our, our little pity parties and our little temper tantrums and our asking God for stuff. May 2021 just be the year where we be like Gideon and say, let's do this. It doesn't matter if we've got 300 or 300,000, but if God is for me, who can be against me? Again, Isaiah 43, it says that, I know you by name, you are mine. That even when you're caught in a rock on a hard place, I will be there for you. And I want to say that you let this be the year that you allow God to come through for you. Let this be the year that you allow God to be everything in your life. May this be the year where you push aside the things that hinder you from worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Those little altars we have in our lives, those little addictions we have in our lives, those little things that, that pull us away from God constantly, that spirit of complacency, that spirit of lethargy. Let's get rid of those things and let's stand up and let us be bold this year and let us be courageous this year and let us stop trusting in vaccines and doctors and let us start to trust in the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God that gave his son Jesus Christ that you and I might live in life exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever imagine. This is the calling of God upon your life and this year we've got to start up. 
This year we've got to get out of our, our dens and our caves and our little cysteines and our little houses. And this has got to be the year that we make a difference in society. And you might say, yeah, but Kurt, we're not allowed out there. It's not about that. I want to tell you something, that when we start to cry out to God as a nation, as a Christian people, God heard them. God heard them. For seven years there was this curse on them in a sense. For seven years they were going to be plundered. But in that seven years, somewhere along they cried out to God and God heard them. And I don't know about you, but I think it's time that the church cries out to God. Not because we want a cure for a virus. Not because we don't want to see anybody die. Not because we don't want to see business close. We want to cry to God because God loves us. And he wants a relationship with us. You know, the word of God says simple things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. We're always seeking the things and we forget about God and his righteousness, who is Christ Jesus. And maybe this year is a year we may do something different. Maybe this year let's get committed to the word of God in our private lives. This year maybe be the year that we committed to God in our prayer life. Let's grow that. Let's grow our relationship with God. Let's grow our, life, our relationship with our families. Let's see the importance of church and how important church is. Because I'll tell you something, that the church at the moment is falling away. You can go look at any online platform. The numbers are down. Nobody's watching the stuff anymore. Nobody's going to church anymore. Some people haven't been to church for more than a year. And I can see it in their lives that they haven't been in the presence of God and in the presence of people around them. It's important. And so I want to pray right now. And I want to pray a prayer blessing over you this morning. May this be the year of more than enough. May this be the year where you become an overcomer. May this be the year where you just walk in boldness and in strength and in faith like you never have. And so Holy Spirit of God, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray for every person that is listening right now, every person that will listen later. Father, that you would come and you will pour out your Shekinah glory upon their lives in Jesus' name. Father, Father, may we not be focused on the crisis around us. Not, may we not be focused on what is the outcome of the situation. But in the season we're in right now, may we search your heart, Father. May we spend time with you. May we grow in you. May we hear your voice. May we understand the purpose and the plan that you have for us. And Lord, I know that every one of us has got a unique calling this year. That every one of us, there's a purpose for us this year. And just like Gideon, Father, we might be feeling like we're nothing right now. But, oh God, may those words echo over the TV and over our, our cell phones and over our, our computers this morning. Arise, mighty man of valor. Mighty woman of valor. Lord, we don't want to do this in our own strength. And so as a church right now, we want to commit 2021 to you. I want to commit every visitor, every member, every person that is listening online. I want to pray, Lord, that as I just hand over Asa's family church to you this year, oh God, may you do what needs to be done. May you stir greatness in us. May we become hungry for you. May we become hungry for the word of God. May we not be deceived this year, but may we go from strength to strength. May we as a family grow stronger than we've ever been. But more than anything, oh, may you be the center of our lives in 2021, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And I just trust that God's going to continue to bless you in the season. We don't know. Um, when church is going to start up again. So we're obviously waiting for the announcement to be made on the 14th in what the president's going to do. Um, but you know what? It doesn't matter. 
uh, you know, we still got our trust in God, we still got the faith, we still got the word of God in our homes, and we just got to trust God to do the impossible. So continue to pray for those that are battling with COVID, continue to pray for our government, continue to pray for our churches. Um, some people, some churches haven't been open this year, some churches are closing because of finances. You know, we've lost so many great pastors this year due to COVID. There's a whole shuffle, reshuffling that's taking place in the church right now, and the church is never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same. But you know what? At times, we don't want it to be the same either. We want it to be better than it was before. So bless you guys. We love you. Love to the family and see you guys soon. Cheers.